Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Para Podcast, the Round 23 episode as it were. Uh, tonight the boss is on, away on break, he's uh, taking the week off on a well-earned uh, personal day and so it'll be myself, uh, 4020, at the helm alongside Bertie. Hey, how's it going? Not too bad and my good mate, Ham. Uh, I'm not sure if we're mates anymore, but um, <laughs> you already started. No, I'm not just going to say, I'm just going to I'm just going to start off with a bit of criticism here. What if someone's listening during the day, you're saying good evening? I'm I'm just it's evening for us. You you're peeling back the curtain here. I, I'm not I'm not trying to be timeless here, but you know I I am peeling back the curtain a little bit on the Para Podcast and our our um crazy late at night shenanigans. But yes, we do record in the evenings, usually on a Tuesday after evening. Dark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Parrot Podcast. The after, after Dark, dark. episode. <laughs> well, let's get to the football because it was a great week for the Parramatta Eels on pretty much every level. If you don't count touch footy, which we don't, so uh, starting with. <laughs> Starting with the uh, the the Sydney Shield, the Sydney Shield, the uh, Guildford Owls uh, popped the uh, Sydney Uni boys thirty four to eighteen, um, and then the RM Cup. Uh, it was a funny funny result here because they absolutely thrashed the uh, the brothers sixty four to four. But uh, Hamish's man Bo Henry is nowhere to be seen on the scorer sheet, neither on the conversion side nor the scoring side. So, as Ham and I were discussing before the podcast, we figured it just mean must have had an inspirational captain's hand and inspired the 16 other players to victory because uh, Brad Kieran features heavily, Josh Minhinick, uh Josh Bergerman, Piggy Rogers, a lot of the um, the boys that have filled in for Wenty for the last year or two, um, all get into the scorer sheet in that 60-point victory, and um, that keeps Wenty right at the top of the ladder. Uh, moving on now to the Jersey flag, and the Eels took care of business uh, by beating the lowly, manly Warringah Seagulls 30-12. to Now, Ham was on hand to witness this game, and he'll give you a good rundown of that one. Um. Yeah, sort of a, you could tell both teams are bottom three, I think, maybe. No, Maggie's are in the top eight. That's right. They were, they were vying for a top eight spot. Um, it was a final kick from... No, no, um, flag, 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 flag. Reece. Flag, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Is, I was looking up the um, Canberra Cup draw and I saw Magpie. The, the win actually no. left... No, no, we weren't in the bottom three. We're bottom four, thank you very much. Bottom four. We're, we've yeah. got a See, comfortable... No, we're not friends anymore. We're we, not we, we got a comfortable buffer off the bottom three. We're, um, we're, we're too cool for that. But yes, the, the Eels entered the round in 11th place and mainly were anchoring the bottom of the ladder in 14th. So yeah, that that was the thirty to twelve win with the juniors. So you you did see that game too. So I I definitely did see that game. Um, yeah, again, but you could tell both teams are lowly on the ladder. There wasn't much happening. Um, Charbel Tassapale had a really strong game. That's two weeks in a row for him. So did um, uh, Etuale Louis, who's a prop we've brought over from New Zealand, still only eighteen years old. So. Um, so to add to that, the highlights there. Yeah, to add that, the try scorers were Tassipali with a double, Penny Tohi, Baylor Biondiotto, and Joe Small, with Biondi hitting four from five uh, try conversions and one penalty goal to make it that 30 point to 12 margin. Uh, but yeah, carry on, Ham. Sorry. Uh, yeah, f- yeah, watch the highlights there. Um, leading up to, I can't remember whose try it was, but the number 17 makes a line break down the right edge. That's. Etuale Louis, still only 18 years old. He played in the um, Laurie Daly Cup earlier this year. He's brought over. He's still only 18 years old. So he's still got two more years of 20s after this. And he put on a really strong performance. Uh, not only in attack, because you see his size, you think he's going to be a good uh, with the ball. But without the ball, too, he forced two errors. Uh, was moving up quickly in the line, with line speed there. So, yeah, he did really well. Um, 
if I was giving out a 3-2-1, I think the main of the match was Charbel Tessipale and uh, Louis would have got a, the two points there. So, uh, really good. Um, yeah, bit, not much to... A little bit of momentum now for our 20s. They sort of struggled to, to put the polish on their performances across the course of the season, but they are, they got the job done across the Newcastle Knights last week in a pretty tough game with um, you know some not much help against the officials. And then this week, obviously, they... Well, sorry, last week they... Had to beat Manly given the, the respective ladder positions, and they did. So it's nice to see him trying to finish the season on a positive note. Yeah, I think they're starting to get some players back. I know that um, Taipari didn't play. Johnny, like they've got a lot of the a lot of players um, that are eligible for this team aren't playing. Like I think there was seven on the weekend for Wentworth Phil, and there would have been Dylan in first grade. So you know when you're taking that amount of experience and talent out of yeah, the 20 the, team. Yeah, you're, you're really stretching well. your, your depth in that grade for sure. So, and then even then we had um, Jesse Cronin injured, uh, Kyle, Kyle Schneider, Schneider injured, yep. uh, Tui Afawalo was injured. Um, so, yeah, just they've been ba- They've been battling there. all year, yeah. Yeah, they've been battling all year. Um, the, the most inspiring thing about next year, though, is that some of the young guys really mm-hmm. starting to step up, like... Um, who we got here, Beyond Yoda. He's doing pretty well considering he's only 18. Uh, Sam Hughes and David Hollis You're starting. Uh, Valence Harris, I believe, has another year of 20s left. Tassapale does two. Uh, Etzwale Lou, who I mentioned earlier. Um, so these all guys have like a good year or two worth of um, flag under their ready or in the future. So, yeah, it should be an interesting year next year to see you know, if we continue this um, pushing up of talent into reserve grade or whether they um, stick them in, keep them in the 20 system and um, maybe push for a final spot next year. Mm-hmm. Now moving on to the uh, second tier grade, which would be the Canterbury Cup. The Wentworthville Magpies uh, travelled to the HE Labart Field to take on the Blacktown Seagulls workers, Blacktown workers Seagulls. What, what, what were we calling in the... The coverage oh, there, B-S-W-E, B-W-S-E. Yeah, we, we had every combination for the acronym. Um, and a second-half surge saw the Wanty Magpies uh, soar out to a 46-28 victory. And uh, that featured a lot of young blokes uh, leading the way there. Ethan Parry scored a double. Uh, Reese Davies, Matt McKilrick, Greg Lisiwau, Jamin Saran, Oregon Kafusi, and Hayes Dunster rounded out the eight tries. Alongside Reese Davies hitting seven from eight from the conversion tee and missing a penalty goal, apparently. So the score was 18-16 at half time, which lets you know how close it was before that, uh, that aforementioned second half surge took the game away from our bitter rivals. Ham, uh, who stood out? Uh, what what did you look like in general? Um, any other takeaways? Um, it, the score one doesn't really suggest it because Wentz, he scored uh, two tries in the final five or six minutes, I believe. Um, and that was what got them to seventh or eighth. Um, they needed... I think I worked it out at the start of the game, 17 points. So they got 18 in front. Um, yeah, no, the, apparently they haven't. Kafusi, so Kafusi and Dunster scored in the 74th and 78th minute. Um, and then yeah. and then Lillisian Salmon scored yeah. in the 60s. So that that did sort of take the game away in that little surge for 15 minutes. Yeah, so um, what like, it was it was a good – I thought Oregon had a strong game. Nothing – no one really sort of – from really stood out, I don't think. Salmon had a, another good game in the 
in the halves. You can tell he's. I've said it before in the at the start of the year, or sort of middle of the year, that he's starting to get too good for this grade. Um, and you see a lot of the guys we've had in the past, like Luke Kelly. He was too good for reserve grade, but he just had he wasn't up mm-hmm. to the pace of first grade. Whereas I think Salmon is able to transition from reserve grade to first. Obviously, Bevan French earlier in the year was absolutely smashing it. Um, he just couldn't. I think that was more physical for Bev um, there. So, you know, I think Jamin sort of – he's playing in the centres this week, and I think that'll be – it's an interesting move there because um, that bench utility, it's, it's, spot, it's, it's right open even for next year. So if J- Jamin can get there, you know, he can – he's a good enough player to be a first-grade player there. So he had a good game. Um, uh, trying to think here. Put on the edges, Davy and Celesi. Yeah, look, it was just a it was a tough game. It always is against Manly, especially with all it's always the fiery. Yeah, ex paraboys. That's right. Um, look, you can just see that Manly they've got even in the jersey flag. I forgot to mention they. Love their forwards at in in the lower grades. Like they try and get the biggest forwards they can, but their backline's a bit weak, and I think that's where when he went out. So yeah, not much. Greg had a really good game actually. Yeah, he um, was he was the by far the really meterage, strongly by far the meterage leader in that game. I think he had just over two hundred, and um between that sort of the the workload was shared elsewhere, so there wasn't many standouts. Meterage wise, but obviously, yeah, the team did pretty good across the board. But yeah, Greg, statistically, he usually shines. And he did again this week. Yeah, like um, made a lot of big breaks and um, you know, a few defensive errors. But we've come to expect that from Greg, really. <laughs> so um, it's good to see him getting back over up over the two hundred meters because that's what he's built for. That's what we need him for. And you know. As good as he is in attack, he's just his defense is just too bad. And like I say, I constantly see it online. People um, asking about how you know put Greg into first grade. He's run 160 meters, 170 meters. But I think I've said this before on the podcast. That's what he's built for. Yeah. He's if, he's, if he's not doing that, he's then not. he's adding like almost nothing to the team because that's his niche. Yeah, exactly. Like it's not about how good you are at your strengths. It's about how bad your weaknesses are in first grade. Yes, sir. And if your weaknesses are all, like terrible, well, then you know you're not going to play first grade. Whereas your strengths, we've seen players years gone by. I, I can Rory Bryan, uh, not different Rory, Rory, not the Rory O'Brien, but Rory Bryan was a huge <laughs> workhorse. Um, but he just didn't have that impact. That's so that's right. why he never played first grade, despite making. You know, he was Ham, a long forward who Ham's could make hundred. Reaching back to sort of twenty ten, twenty twelve there to for those that might be confused. Uh, yeah, that was that's run. a long time ago. Yeah. That was, <laughs> that that was a we're talking ago. a Kearney era uh sort of um a player, Rory Bryan was in our junior system back then. And was Yeah, he's coming through with um Pat O'Handler. That's right. It was a versatile workhorse back role that didn't quite have the size to make the impact in the in the NRL. Yeah, so it's it's yeah, in in first grade it's not about your strengths, it's about your weaknesses and I just think Greg's got too many weaknesses there that um, can be exploited in first grade. They're being exploited uh, in reserve grade with uh, reserve grade halves. I'd hate to see what um, a first grade half, yeah, exactly. uh, first grade coach and halfback could do against him. 
Now, um, capping off that uh, unanimous victorious weekend was the main event where Parramatta travelled to the Gold Coast and uh, it wasn't pretty at all times, but they got the job done 36-12 over the Gold Coast Titans. Uh, scoring started with Daniel Alvaro selling one of the greatest dummies of all time in the 11th minute and he was followed by Manu Ma'u, Sean Lane, a Wonga Blake double in the 50th, 54th and 59th minute before Morata Niakore, the uh, Lion King, came off the bench to put the game beyond all reproach. Uh, Mitchell Moses was flawless off the boot, six from six after a week last week where he struggled a bit, and uh, he also missed one field goal, that disrespect field goal in the last minute. Um, but yeah, 36-12, first half was pretty scrappy. The Eels left a lot of points on the field, uh, but they make they extend their win streak to four, which is now the second longest active win streak in the game behind the Roosters, who are sitting on five, um, and they're now positioned for a charge at the top four. I'll just jump through the uh, team stats and, and notable individual stats before I hand it over to you two. But uh, surprisingly, possession was 50, uh, 50% apiece in this game. Uh, time of possession was actually 28 minutes and 14 seconds apiece as well. So that is a very rare, like, perfect split of possession and uh, time and possession. Uh, the Gold Coast Titans completed 30 of their 40 sets for 75%, while the Eels completed 32 of their 42 sets for a 76% completion. So it's interesting that possession and time of possession are the same, even though the Eels got two more sets. So they must be on a, on a per-play basis within those sets. They must have had the same amount of plays in uh, less sets than us. Uh, the Eels, 188 runs apiece as well, although the Eels were 18.70 metres gained to 15.46 for the Titans. Uh, post-contact metres favoured the Eels slightly, 612 to 587. Uh, five line breaks to the Eels versus three for the Gold Coast. 30 tackle breaks versus 27 in Parramatta's favour once more. The Eels' average set distance was about six metres ahead of that for the Titans, 44.5 to 38.7. Uh, and then moving down to uh, discipline, which was probably one of the more interesting things given some of Brad Arthur's comments in the post game. Uh, errors were 13 by Parramatta, 12 by the Gold Coast, while the Eels conceded 12 penalties to the Gold Coast, 10. So a lot of penalties in this game. And it was certainly something that Brad talked about in the post match presser as a, a disappointing aspect of that victory. Uh, beyond that, uh, the Eels were about Junior Polo, uh, who tweaked his ankle in the warm up. And um, they ended up resting him rather than risking him. And fortunately, with Kane Evans back in the lineup, they were able to do so. Um, and as far as individual players are concerned, what have we got here? Um, we obviously had the Wonga Blake double in his sort of big breakout game for the club. He uh, rattled off uh, 178 metres from 14 carries, which is pretty ridiculous efficiency. Brad Takarangi had a big game off the wing. So he's, he's doing really well on the wing. And somehow teams haven't exposed him in that position after how many weeks is it now? How many, Bertie? Three? Is this his third third game at winger named? Yeah, because um, he played against the Dragons. Dragons, that's right. That was the second game in our win streak. So somehow teams have not exposed Brad Takarang on the wing, and if anything, he's thriving. Uh, so good on him there. Uh, Mitchell Moses had a great game with nearly 100 running metres alongside uh, three or four tri which now is something that Ham mentioned to me during the week, is putting him in range for uh, Mitchell Moses's, for Tim Smith's club record of 40. So that'll be interesting to see how he finishes off the season in that regard. Uh, Kane Evans was sold with 122 metres from 12 runs, while uh, Alvaro, Lane, Manumau with a dominant 177 metres, Nathan Brown and Murata Niakore all cracked 100-plus metres in um, part of that dominant effort from our forwards. And yeah, so lots of tries left on the board. Uh, I can think of at least uh, three or four where we blew up, not to mention the the Makasivo try that was bizarrely overturned uh, well, not overturned, it went up as a no-try, but not awarded by the video ref for a block, obvious escort that was then uh, it led to a shoulder-to-shoulder play on the ball. But anyway, 
Um, aside from that, uh, boys, what do you think? The four-game winning streak, we took care of business against the team that was on the bottom of the ladder uh, and everything else in between there. Uh, what, do, what do you reckon about that win? What does it mean for us? Um, you know, it's a win against the Titans. It doesn't really mean much. The, I'm going to start off with a criticism. First half, we, plied, we tried to play too cute. Mm-hmm. Um, the commentary sort of were critical of us not taking the two, but you're not going to – you're beating the Titans. You're going to beat the Titans by 20-plus. You're not going to take the two. You're better off um, putting on attack and showing off your attacking prowess, trying to get as much attack as possible. Um, so, yeah, that's not anything to be worried about. It was just we were trying to play like we, – we have a, we've got a top four attack but um, when we do that, it's through big sweeping plays. It's through calculated risks. It's not through, oh, we're going to we're going to score ten tries here. It's through, you know, what's the best way to get through the defence? And you know, that's through our edge runners um, hitting holes off our house and throwing an offload, or go, going early to our uh, centres and wingers. It's not through little trick plays. It's well, we, we fell into that easy trap that so often happens when you start having a bit of good running against a, a lower-placed team and you start pushing that last pass or two, isn't it? Because we, yeah. we, we made some big inroads against the Titans from the sort of initial sets. and But we, we instead of taking the tackle like we've been so good at in recent weeks and then working for the shift on the other side of the field, we sort of pushed that last pass. Well, the thing was, early on, it was something we haven't really seen since 2017 from Mitch Moses. He played the short side, played the blind side really well. He was getting a quick play of the ball, quick quick pass off the dummy half, just off the hip, and he was running directly at that short line. And we were opening them up. And the thing was, we never went back that way after the first 20 or so minutes. Whereas, you know, I thought um, Moses and Cena would have just kept playing that, you know, Hit the hit the short runner on that play the ball get a quick play get a quick play, run down that short side would have opened them right up. But you know it was just yeah the times were always going to fade and I it, you can't really take too much out of it. I liked Wonga Blake double. I thought he had a real. I thought he had a good game. Um, finally striding out into the open. He'd, he'd been threatening. To, uh, he'd been threatening for a while, and it was I mean not like he's been playing bad, but this was his sort of here I am. I've arrived at Parramatta sort of game. Well, definitely an attack. I, I said it to um, those who are on Twitter. You got to follow uh, the doctor, Doctor Brad Robinson. Uh, fantastic follow. He asked me about Wonga Blake because I've been sort of bagging him a little bit, saying he's not a parameter player. Um, <laughs> I predicted he'd score a hat trick um, against the Titans. He only got the double. He nearly got. I reckon he could have got a hat trick um, if we went that short side a little bit more. Yeah, I we won. We took the two points. Um, not much else to say, I guess. Betty? Yeah, it's uh, what Brad Arthur said. We knew we were going to win. It's just we had to, we had to, as, as you said, alluded earlier, we shouldn't have took the two because when you're reversing lower team, the, the more they think they're in, the more chance they're going to, they're going to, their confidence will grow and they can actually do be. So we had to, we have to, like, essentially. Put it out of there. Put it out. Put the contest out there as, quick, as soon as possible. That it led to errors because the incident where Mitchell Moses was running back towards Gufferson and filled a kick, and he <laughs> tried to do a quick offload. That, that was an off. example of what Ham was saying about being cute. Because yeah, that would have been a great play if it came off, but it was you know you just take the ball, hold the ball, get the possession. Because he it made a great hustle play to get to the ball, and then got so cute. like just uh, like Brad Arthur was upset. I think it was like 
four penalties, 13 errors. That's just... like As someone said, some journalist said, teams right now are preparing for finals, right? We're going to play the So let's try and get into the... Let's try and get preparing for finals right now as opposed to like flat, like uh, throwing the ball around. We, we need to get, we need to shore up our discipline now so we can get ready. Top. Well, I think top. that's been one of the most pleasing aspects of our last month of footy prior to the Friday evening victory was that we'd sort of ratcheted down on the errors and penalties and we were sort of not winning hugely, but we we're taking care of, of each game in a very, not conservative, but a very uh, uh, fundamental manner. So that sort of un- unraveled a little bit at the expense of some extra points. So I can see the balance of things here where I understand why Brad's unhappy, but by the same token, I'm also glad that the team came out the sheds in a game where they'd you know, been mentally, uh, you know, not weak, but uh, lax and took care of the, the rest of the business they had to do. They piled on the points in the second half and they looked much sharper. And, you know, as we sort of all, all knew, you know, you've you got to beat the Gold Coast Titans, and in the end they did. They got out without any injury, any major injury, which is always a huge bonus, and now they look forward to a, a big game against the Dogs next week. Um, just trying to think. Oh, one disappointing thing, I mentioned it before, but uh, Maker Sevo ultimately ended up losing his lead in the uh, NRL try-scoring stakes this week after uh, Latrell Mitchell double took him to, what was it, 17, I think, total? Um, so that was a little bit frustrating to see Maker lose out because of a pretty shitty call, to be honest. Um, but yeah, the I'm actually surprised. Like with Junior out, I was actually I posted Discord that um we're going to miss his offloads, but we still we still had seven offloads. So that was, you know obviously they picked they picked up and did a junior share, but it's good to know that we don't need Jun- we don't need Junior to help our second phase. We've got others to do that, and Manu Mo, you know, he was up. Well, that's probably a player we should talk about because he was sensational. Um, that combination of Mitchell Moses on the right edge was fantastic on Friday night. Uh, they put the kick through where he chased and scored the second try, I want to say, for Parramatta. And then uh, he had an important part in uh, Wonga Bikes double, including a sensational offload that sort of showed RTS how it's done as far as not getting the touches to interfere with a, a backhanded offload through contact. Um, they are <clears throat> they had no chance of calling that, forward, uh, that pass forwards. He... Uh, rifled it backwards somehow between defenders. It was sensational. But yeah, Manu was terrific. And I think he, um, was it Peter Stewart that gave him a lot of love on the weekend or in his um, weekend wrap with the NRL or Channel 9 that he does? Um, but yeah, he got a lot of love from the media and understandably so. Another player that probably deserves a bit of a rap is Sean Lane, who was in the uh, media's sort of crosshairs last week following that leaked image. Uh, he had a very good game backing up from it. Obviously didn't let that get to him mentally. And that's always encouraging to see because in the past, the Eels have always had an issue sort of, you know, circling the wagons and bringing that siege mentality when things sort of put pressure on him from the outside. And Sean obviously did a very good job there, uh, you know, focusing on just playing his game footy. He uh, had one ridiculous offload. He had three offloads on night and one of them was just Sonny Bill-esque. And um, that, which try did that result in? Just trying to think. Uh, maybe maybe it wasn't directly to a the, try. Um, the Wunga Blake double. The second of the double. There you go. There you go. Because he put Gutherson through the gap. Yes. Yep. There you go. That's the one. Bad, bad props to the social media team. You know, it could have went a couple of ways with that tweet. You know, like if it was me, I'd probably. You got, yeah. Shady, you, got, you got context for that? Um, everyone knows. You know, everyone knows. Yeah. I'm just saying, you know, if, it was a, let's just say it was a, it was a meme after. Oh, okay. 
Okay, I, I I don't I don't Twitter too hard, so um I, I didn't really didn't really know what we're going for there. Bit of what life fever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there we go, there we go. Um, just before we move on, I'd like to go back to what Birdie said, um, about playing finals footy. I just because you know in in finals and especially you just want to win. You don't care about how much you win by. Like we don't grant we we have, you know, in the past month or so, um ground out wings where we haven't scored many points we've defended well but the thing is when it comes down to it the way we play and the way we play at our best is when we play really open football so you know when you say you got to play finals football that's just like stating you got to play origin football origin football is based around queensland they haven't you know it's based around bash and barge and all that sort of thing whereas new south wales have the skill Parramatta have the skill and Parramatta's attack is you know, sideline, but it's open, it's flowing, it's offloads, it's sweeping plays, it's hitting edge edge runners in the holes. So when you say you got to start playing finals football, our finals football is different to what other teams will be. That's an that's an important uh, discussion topic because absolutely you want to be playing to your strengths rather than getting caught up in the game of playing. You don't want to play to the opponent's strengths. You want to play to your own strengths. And ours is, you know, um, keeping the ball in play. Um, you know, Nathan Brown leading the line in defense and then starting back there, getting making sure that the opposition have to do a defensive kick, not in not a kicking it, not an attacking kick into touch. So our back three can, you know, really get in the get us on the front foot there. So, you know, I I do understand that finals is a completely different game. But at the same time, you don't want to be, we especially us, we don't want to be bogged down by, you know, doing something else just because that's what people assume finals football is I think, about. I think the unifying element across those different grades and, and sort of levels of play that you were talking about as far as finals footy, origin and whatnot, is the defensive aspect. Uh, that's that's probably the only un, like uh, universal trait that I'd be concerned about. As far as a lot of those, you know, victories in those different levels are predicated on strong defense, but that's something that Paramount has highlighted in recent weeks. I think they've been averaging 13 points per game in their four-game win streak over the, uh, starting with the Warriors, then Dragons uh, last week against Newcastle, and then this week against the Titans. So yeah, yeah. well, that, well that's the thing. When we do play open attacking, we are going to leak points. We are going to leak um, uh, meters up the middle because our att- our focus is attack. So, you know, we, when that happens, you are going to have to, um, you know, be a little bit lax in defense because you're f- so focused on attack. It is good that we have, for the past month, month and a half, um, sort of kick to corners, um, put pressure it's through been our defense, which has helped. Which almost, is almost like a return to 2017. Uh, that's a lot yeah. of the stuff that helped us be so successful in that year. And we've sort of, in the back half of this season, we've rediscovered even if it's fundamental stuff, we've rediscovered things that are making our team so good on a set-for-set basis. We're winning the the territorial battle on better kicking, on better kick chase, all the off-the-ball stuff. Uh, Reid Marnie's been really big for Mitchell Moses in that regard, um, adding a lot from dummy half as the extra kicker. And I think that was something that Brad uh, highlighted last night in his NRL 360 interview was um, uh, Reid's importance to the team in that regard. So yeah, the, the the team's starting. I wouldn't say they're humming, you know, on all cylinders just yet, but they're getting close. They're 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 starting to build to something pretty nice here. 
Any um anything else to take away from that twenty four point victory, Birdie Ham? Marcus Siver, oh, I always said it before. Marcus Siver was robbed. He was. He was terrible He's stuff. Got to say it again. Okay, so um, that and that. Oh, yeah, Birdie, the referee sack, sack the bunker. <laughs> oh yeah, just a just a. I was worried because I thought it would be a banana slip game, but as you said earlier, it's good to get away with the dub and. Yeah, you know. And um, that that win means that Parramatta for another week don't make any progress on the ladder officially. They stay but, they stay in sixth place for, despite being on a four-game win streak and being, you know, pretty close to the top four for that entire period. But results uh, have favoured them somewhat, although Manly did get the win, unfortunately. Uh, but with South Sydney going down to the Bulldogs, that race for fourth has been blown wide open. And, and even as far as second or third is still up for grabs technically with the way the ladder is going to play out in the coming weeks. So something to keep an eye on as a Parramatta fan. Um, but, yeah, so 36-12, Parramatta the victors. and uh, One fourth. more thing. One more thing, oh. just with the ladder. Five points in front of the um, team below us. So, you know, we're going to – if it's unlikely that we'll drop down from six. So, And it's frustrating. Recently, people have been talking about a home semi and how Parramatta are close to a home semi-final. Are people forgetting the new final? Yeah, system? that five and six are guaranteed the first week of um, of uh, home of the finals at home, which means if you that finish from first to sixth, you're guaranteed you a home are final guaranteed at some point. A home finals at some point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I said. Um, what did I say? I said two podcasts ago. I think we've guaranteed a we're, we're guaranteed. We, we would need to collapse, lose every game, and have. Uh, I don't even know if it's mathematically possible with the way the ladder plays out. If we can actually afford beat, can drop lower than, than six now, because we're five points ahead of the chasing pack. Um, we'd need two teams to to, or not really, only one team technically, but we'd also need uh, Souths and Manly to sort of forge ahead without us as well. So, yeah, there's um there's a there's a lot to be played out in the next three weeks. But Parramatta are in a great position is the uh, the crux of it all. And like Cam said, we're almost guaranteed of a, a home final now, regardless of a top four finish or not. If we win, if we win on Thursday night, we're guaranteed a home final finish. Whether we finish first, there you go. Or it just, it. I don't know. We've had this system for how many years? Three <laughs> years right. now. And so, getting getting the win this week would be huge. And then, the, you know, the next uh, next short term, long medium term goal would be for the two bites of the cherry that the top four give you. Yeah, see, and uh, and the thing on. is, sorry, Birdie. Um, people are talking about you don't want to finish top. You don't. We don't want to finish fourth because we don't want to play in Melbourne. I'd rather that second chance. You want to really you want to be the best. You got to beat the best. Stadium second week. The at some point the finals are going through Melbourne or the Roosters, barring a, a raft of like absurd upset victories. So if you got to do it round one, we knew we did in 2017. You know we we have another Melbourne Pacers in our sort of one of our worst showings of the year earlier in Magic Ground, but we have a I think at least anecdotally we have a gameplay style that sort of meshes poorly for Melbourne. Our our aggressiveness with the ball. It's something that Canberra were very good at on the weekend too, is um when you sort of can negate their wrestle somewhat with uh you know more aggressive shifts of the ball, they struggle to set the tone of the game, and that was something that we nearly did in the week one of the finals in 2017. Anyway, we're getting a little bit sidetracked here. We've got to move on before we uh, we make that four hour podcast. <laughs> we've got that to we're finish, talking we've got about to beat the Bulldogs first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bring on the Bulldogs. Uh, you know, we had a, a bit of a busy news week for Parramatta this uh this past week, uh, starting off with the Sean Lane sanctions. Uh, for that Mad Monday image, he, uh, in conjunction with the Integrity Unit, the Parramatials ended up finding Sean Lane $17,500. Uh, no suspension, obviously, since he took part in the victory over the Titans. Uh, 
yeah, I don't really know what to say there. It was uh, probably falls under the this uh, what's it called the broader sanctions of uh, bringing the game to disrepute. Uh, Sean Lane issued a, a good apology this week after dodging the media last week, um, and sort of cautioned fellow players to you know be careful of their actions uh, at Mad Mondays, even if it was just a harmless prank, which is what he uh, <clears throat> is what he uh, writes his actions down to. And I, I actually kind of believe the bloke. Um, you know, sort of Mad Mondays are pretty silly things, and I don't think he did anything particularly stupid, uh, particularly wrong there. Sorry, stupid is something he certainly did. But fellas, what do you think? Seventeen and a half thousand dollars. Um, Pretty pretty big fine, and it, it actually gives fans the first look prospectively at what Sean Lane's worth to the team is because prior to this, he um he'd never been his contract figures never been disclosed, and I think depending on the source whether it was uh, Fox or the Daily Telegraph, it's five or ten percent of his annual salary. I can't see it being ten percent of his annual. So I don't think he'd be on, um, because he signed sort of at the time when he's starting to break through at Manly. Mm-hmm. So it, it's I, I think it's five percent. Um, it's five percent of his gross uh, salary there. So I think that's probably a bit unfair because you know you got um, I think fifteen percent goes to your manager. Uh, you got taxes to include in that. Um, so you know ten percent of gross salary. Uh, it's pretty big. It's pretty hefty. Uh, yeah. If you know, you can say bringing the game into disrepute, and obviously the NRL has set a five percent of your salary um, fine on that across the board, regardless of uh, illegality or not. Um, but if you know, if Sean has obviously copped it on the chin and good on him, he's owned up to to what he's done. But if the NRL couldn't find anything illegal, what's wrong with you know what what he did? That's yeah, like unfortunately, it, it's, it's it's an undisclosed substance. It could be, it could be the worst. It could be, you know, anything. It could be crushed up Panadol. We don't know. The NRL doesn't know. The only person that knows, well, you know, if he was of right mind, is Sean Lane. And if he says he didn't do anything illegal, we have to believe him. The NRL has to believe him. I think the penalty is a bit too harsh. I. But I can see why they've done it. Yeah, it, it's a tough one because I, I think it, it hits his hip pocket probably a little bit too hard, especially given some of the numbers that we've seen in the past uh, for those sort of fines. But uh, in the end of the day, the the Eels were not punished for something that Sean Lane did or did or allegedly did, you know, sort of at Manly. And I think that's probably a fair outcome in that regard. And um, hopefully it'll cause Sean to play, for, even though he's not exactly playing bad footy right now, <laughs> but it'll, it'll um, cause him to play for a little bit more of a chip on his shoulder. Um, right through to the postseason because of um, you know, the feeling maybe slightly wronged as far as um his bank account's concerned. Bertie, you um, any thoughts on I the? Said, I said it last week. Like whatever, if they gave him a week, I'd be okay. Because it's a serious ma- like it's a serious matter. Like from now on to to finish his career, he's going to be tested more, drug tested. More, that's why. So if they gave him a week, I'd be okay. But. You know, like it's it's one of those where the players have to they're gonna be they're gonna be mindful of what they post or what they do. You know, when you take photo evidence, anything can happen. You get hacked, like you posted by someone could like it's just they've got to be smart. There is there is definitely and it was something that uh the, I'm not usually a fan of his work, but something that was it the professor that did it? Have he had a little little gig where he sort of had thirty seconds just saying 
stop being bloody idiots and, you know, recording everything. And he, <laughs> I have to agree. You know, you can get up to a lot of silly shenanigans in your free time without telling the, or broadcasting it to the world on various levels. And, you know, I don't condone that sort of stuff. And I'm not accusing, once again, we're not accusing Sean Lane of that, but we, we know lots of league players that have been done for it in the past with, like, actual, uh, like, you know, full proof of it. Stop taking images. Stop taking videos. Like, you know. It's a simple. If you're going on Mad Monday, if you're the and if phones, you're an NRL phones in the club, bag, collect the phones, yeah, phones in the bag. Phones in in a locked bag or a locked whatever away from the players. If something happens and if something if if there's an emergency, we will notify you because we will have a minder with you. And journo's don't listen to this. The media doesn't listen to this. I understand that, but let the players just go out and enjoy themselves for like. They've been training since the first. Yeah, a lot it's, of it's easy easy to forget how hard these blokes work for like nearly two thirds of the year because the NRL cycle is a long one, but like uh, in relation to most competitive sporting, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, codes and whatnot, organisations. Yeah, yeah. So these guys, a lot of I think fifty percent of the teams return on the first of November. Mm-hmm. You know, right when it's getting into summer, they do pre-season training, which is I've been down a couple of sessions. It is absolutely grueling, tortuous. Yeah. It's rough. And then on top of that, they have to stay at peak physical condition throughout from March until uh, the end of September. Then one night, one day, they want to get loose. They want to have a few beers or they want to have a case of beers. They want to have whatever they want to drink. I don't care. Let them have their time to themselves. You don't need, as a fan, I don't care what they get up to. I, I know that they're going to probably, you know, partake in a few things. They're going to they're gonna want to drink. They want to let their head in. They want to dress up. Just let them do it. No one cared. No one should care. And unfortunately, what, this goes what, both ways because because the media know that Mad Mondays is a day where players get loose. They sort of dial up the intensity on the, the scrutiny and coverage right up past 11. So, yeah, unfortunately, it is what it is. Um, hopefully, clubs and players can sort of, uh, start dipping in a little bit more discretion there and uh, rightfully unwind without sort of causing the headlines in that regard. Okay, let's move on. Uh, lots of news to cover here. It was mentioned in the, the Fox Sports broadcast on Friday evening, but despite Mancacevo featuring near the top of the tri-scoring ladder on the left edge, the Eels do, however, feature the best attacking right edge in the NRL. Uh, I'm not sure on the exact numbers there because I was out at my uh, cousin's Sweet 16th, so I didn't get... Um, Full volume in the sports bar that I was sneaking out to next by uh, West Ashfield our, our Leagues Club. But, uh, Ham, Bernie, do you know the rough numbers on why the Eels uh, are home to the most attacking or most potent attacking right edge in the league? Um, they didn't specify why, okay. but I'm, I'm just going to have I a just, quick crack. The Fox Sport Lab across their different, uh, what's it called, indicators, which would be line break assists, line breaks, and tries and tries. I, I was just about to say Mitch Moses, 29 line break, oh, 29 try assists. Uh, however many line break assists. I'm sure Gutho has some on that edge too. Um, now you got Wunga Blake there, but before you had Takarangi, who before his move out to out to the wing, had a good month at centre. Um, obviously, Blake Ferguson is still yet to come back. He's out on that wing, who was, you know, at the start of the year, he was an absolute freak. He was he was the best player in the game. He was the form player in the game. Um, so, you know, when you had Blake at the start of the year, form player of the game, and then when he's starting to, you know, succumb to a few injuries there, Mitch Moses all of a sudden steps up. He's a form player of the game. Um, you know, obviously that right edge is going to have a lot of potency. So, uh, yeah, I just what a what a change Mitch has made. Yeah, 
Oh, and that, that was something that Brad was thing. fairly candid about last night in that 360 interview was about how he and Mitchell sat down uh, prior to the preseason last year and really hashed things out and then sort of, you know, leveled everything and, and got on the same page and they haven't looked back since really. Well, that's the thing. Like, these guys are, as as they need to be, they need to be competitive. They need to be competitive to get up to the to the top. Um, he only had to sit down and, you know, read about what was said about Parramatta for, to get the fire in the belly. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously Brad also gave him a rocket. So, um, and then obviously there's a lot of self um, belief and self confidence there from Moses to, um, I still think he's yet to reach his peak. I still think Moses has a lot to add to his game. Um, maturity wise sort of kicking variation. That'll come. He's only 24 this year. 24, 25, um, he's still like nowhere near his prime on an age No, basis. not at all. And I think he's got a lot to add to his game. And uh, I think it would be very close to the Dally M uh, player of the year uh, with the way he's going. So, yeah, it's he's been a big part of um, Parramatta's research. And I also think that having a lesser half on the other side has allowed him to Wow, wow. I think, I think, I think <laughs> you, the, you know what I mean. Yes, you know I know. What I, mean. I think you what Ham was going for is the fact that there is now a balance in the halves that allows Moses to be the controlling half, and with Dylan Brown as someone that's happy to play either off the cuff or take that more subservient role in the partnership, and that's something that Dylan's been very good at this year, and it's part of the reason why their combination is so good. Yeah, because Mitchell he needs to be the the dominant mm-hmm. playmaker in the team, and um, you can see he jumps on both sides of the field. Um, he gets the ball 95% of the time. Um, I think that will change eventually once still gets more experience. But, yeah, it's just it, it's it's that less dominant half and not having two. Um, still, Brown's still a very good playmaker. I'm not taking anything away from Corey. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, you've got two very good playmakers there and it was just too many chefs. Exactly, exactly. And um, fortunately for the Eels, they looked to have made the right decision between Corey and Mitchell. Um, and yeah, and now things going from strength to strength for both Mitchell and the club. Now, a little bit of breaking news coming out. Won't affect us this week, but for next week, Tavita Pangai Jr. found guilty of that uh, pseudo, I wouldn't say it's an outright crusher tackle, but that pseudo crusher tackle on uh, Jimmy Maloney, five weeks. So he's not playing football for the five rest of the week. year. Five weeks. Perhaps. Yeah, so he was looking at either one week or five weeks. I think it was how it was played out. Um, because of the prior loading and whatnot, they tried to contest the level of the charge. And unfortunately, the NRL um, have been, I made a mouthful of that, the NRL have been, had a sort of focused push on the crusher tackles in recent weeks, and they're making an example of them, it looks like. So, yeah, no, no, Pango. How many games he's missed this year through? A lot. Between injury and suspension. Comes back. A lot. Comes back. Yeah, he's a player. Round two, he was. A million dollars. A million dollars, and I mean, he's still got a pretty good payday of six fifty, if the media reports to be believed. But he lost three hundred and fifty thousand dollars in the preceding uh, window of time there. So yeah, uh, but that that means that he and Jake Turpin, I believe, are out for our game. So the yep. Broncos are scrambling for um for some numbers in the forward pack and the in the spine there. But yeah, so we'll deal with that in the next podcast though. Uh, now, moving on, Parramatta now hosts the best home record in the competition. No surprise for anyone that's been anywhere near the game, given how the media love to talk about the fantastic uh, facility that is Bankwest Stadium. But the Eels with an 8-2 and two record, which is stretched across our two games, was it, Ham, at ANZ this year? 
I think we had two home games or yeah, one. Yeah, Sharks. Yeah, yeah. yeah so That's we're we're eight and two combined across ANZ and Bank West, which leads the Roosters, then Seagull, Storm, Sharks, Rabbitohs, Raiders. West Tigers and Broncos. If that sounds familiar, that's because barring the uh, West Tigers swapping places with the Broncos, that's pretty much the uh, top eight ladder of thereabouts in some form or another. So one one of the prerequisites who would have known of uh, getting to the finals is generally being really good at home. And uh, the Eels have a uh, 0.8 winning record, so that's 800 for any Yanks listening. Um, and apparently a point differential of only 51, which I find hard to believe. Did we get hammered at ANZ? Because we put uh, 50 on the Tigers. 14. By 14. That, that doesn't seem right, though, because we, we hammered... Nah, that can't be right. We hammered the, the Tigers by 50, the Broncos by 20-something. Tigers 20 by 45, yeah. Dragons by about 30. We lost to the Penrith Panthers by one, um, and we Maybe lost... Maybe 150. Yeah, so I'm not sure if those numbers are accurate in that regard. But that yeah. can't be right. So, and that, that sort of further strengthens the importance of that home final that we are talking about earlier. Um, getting a home final for Parramatta is a, a huge step forward to making it to week two of the finals or potentially week three, depending on how things play out uh, with the top four. Uh, but yeah, so nice nice little thing there. And I've, the obviously the argument on the flip side is that Parramatta are home track bullies. But once again, in the NRL, it, the numbers suggest that you take care of business at home and you're going to be playing postseason footy. Uh, anything to add there, boys? I said this in the past. I said this... Um Discord, like people say, we're flat track, and yet they they praise Canberra Raiders. Go look at Canberra Raiders when they were on that win streak. Who did they beat? They were they did exactly similar to us. So if you're calling oh, us exactly, you can only, you can only play what's in front of you, buddy. Absolutely. Exactly. But they, if you look at their record, they they didn't beat. I think they beat. I think they beat one top eight team. The rest were in the bottom eight. So they did a very similar to us. And that's why yeah, that's can, why their yeah, victory on the weekend was so significant because they struggled mightily against the top six on the ladder. And then they had a very uh, signature, big signature victory over the Melbourne Storm. So good for them in that regard. Always good to see Melbourne get um, <laughs> lose a game, because uh, especially since they've got the minor premiership pretty much stitched up. Although the result the doesn't. Thing is, talk about flat track bullies. Aren't you supposed to beat the teams? Oh, absolutely, the absolutely. Eight? And and uh, Parramatta have been for the most part competitive against top eight teams. Obviously, there was that thrashing by uh, Melbourne in the Magic Round, alongside uh, a pretty bad loss to Cronulla when we were in the middle of a sort of trying to write things and, and not quite there. But since then, we've sort of turned things around. Uh, but yeah, exactly. You take care of business against teams below you and then you you know you sort of look to go 50-50 or thereabouts against teams that are around your calibre because that's how the the NRL works. That's how professional sports work. Like our biggest win this year, this year is Tigers game, um, Bulldogs game, the Titans game. Like flat track bully, like definition is like your – you're smashing the lower team. You look at the team, like the games we burst the team, the bottom of eight. They weren't, besides those games I mentioned, they've all been like less than 12 points, 14 points. That's why our four and best. Like, there you go. That's, you know, like, uh, people are just stupid. They just see, <laughs> people just, they just want to use the word flat track bullies because it's a common thing in AFL. They do it in AFL because they're draws. And all right, just, <laughs> moving on now. NRL.com has uh, started commenting, columning. Uh, the initial drafts across different players or ex-players and, and media personalities for their 2010s team of the decade. Um, and Parramatta are featuring on a wing and a prayer with Jared Hayne, Semi Rodradra, and uh, new recruit Blake Ferguson all in discussions for various positions on the wing um, in the team of the decade. Fellas, any thoughts? 
Uh, everyone has their opinion on team of the These are always contentious because there's so many, especially, you know, these days there's so many good players across the different positions. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really. One one name that drew some ire on our Discord was uh, Tom Tobojevic getting a mention at fullback, I think it was. for a, Yeah, for a bloke that's had a couple of decent years in like one of the most contested positions <laughs> of the last. That's the Billy Slater rule. You don't have to be in the first. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Parramatta have been mediocre for far more often than not in the 2010s. Unfortunately, um, you know, relevancy's only been marketed in 2017. Well, no, in 2017, Brad's done a good job for most of his tenure here, barring the uh, the cap sanctions in 2016 and last year. So yeah, it's not surprising that only a couple of our genuine superstars are getting talked about. But those are uh, those handful of players are pretty good players. A lot of teams be um, begging out for a Jared Hayner semi-rider or a Blake Ferguson. Um, I'll wrap up the news section with something that came out on Saturday with the Triple M NRL. Uh, Brent Reed, who does their uh, mailbag, uh, dropped some news that Parramatta apparently have uh, sort of kowtowed and and sort of bent to Michael Jennings and Brad Takarangi's negotiations with two year. If I if I got this right, two year deals for both players potentially, um, which would probably be the first major concession that the recruitment board would have made. Uh, following protracted negotiations with Quentin Gufferson and uh, while the Mitchell Moses stuff was a little bit more uh, low-key. But a bit surprising. But, um, I mean, not that I'm this uh, unhappy with the retentions of Jennings and Takarangi. We have a lot of spots to fill out in our top 30. And uh, Jenko is a very good defender that I think, while his attack isn't as good as it used to be, he adds a lot to make a Sevo's defense. And uh, Brad Takarangi has been in a pretty rich vein of form. And uh, the utility role, he could probably provide the team as a, a back-end top 30 guy would be pretty useful. Bertie, Ham, any particular thoughts on the prospective retentions of these two senior players? Um, Janko, definitely. I would have preferred to have seen a year, but if you need to retain a player for two, especially someone of um, Janko's class, you and do. Depending on the, the contract two. structuring, it could mean that in the second year we can probably you know play him in Reggie's without too much concern for the relative cap, you know, like quote unquote wasted cap space, uh, if there's a junior like Ethan Parry or or someone else really pushing aggressively for a spot in the back line. Yeah, and like at the moment, Jenko is still making the players around him better, as you mentioned with um, Sivo's defence there, and that's what you want from your more experienced players. You want them, you know, they're not necessarily the best anymore, but when they're on the field, the players around them have more confidence. They're playing better. Um, you see, when who have we had there um, recently with when um, Sivo was coming flying off his wing? Josh, Josh Hoffman. Josh Hoffman. You know, Hoffman's a serviceable player, and uh, that's why he was a depth player. He he he's um, didn't make the players around him better. So I liked I liked um, the re-signing of Jennings. Tacker, I can see why we're doing it because you know you do need to fill fill a top thirty um, squad. And he provides cover, will now cover for wing, uh, centre, second row, halves. So having someone of that utility value um, in the 30 is very good. I just hope that um, next year and the year after, if he is still here, um, that that's more of a role in reserve grade. Mm -hmm. That's fair enough. Bertie? You know how I feel about uh, Takarangi. I think the sooner he leaves, Less my blood pressure will go down. How whatever the saying goes, like I just when I see him play, like okay, Jenko last season, I, I wanted him, but he responded well. But when I see Taka in defense, I'm just thinking, go again. It's gonna <laughs> be a lap. It's just 
I don't have no confidence in him. And okay, he's and people were like, people will slate him saying, oh, you know, he's good enough in attack. Okay, it's attack. But if that's the case, then put Greg Lillesi on. Like, it's the defense part of the game that makes me, oh, if it's a one year deal, happy. But another thing also is the juniors coming through. Let's be honest, would you, right now, if you were Brad Arthur, would you have Brad Tackering in the wing or would you have Perry on the wing, someone else on the wing? Like, because that's my thing. I don't want them to be blocking junior pathways, if that makes sense. The same thing is with Will Smith as well. Like, I don't want them to be blocking the junior like, pathway for our juniors. Because that's the future. That's Ham, you got a particular opinion on whether we should be um, someone else on the wing? I'd prefer Parry, but I can see why Tacker is playing because, you know, he just adds that bit of skill. Whereas I think Parry is a bit too far off regular first grade just yet. Like, it was good for him to get his two games in, but especially in rookie year, unless they're absolutely elite players, they're not going to be playing over 10 games anyway. That's so, fair. That's fair. I, I, yes, that's the, fair, the, exactly. the, up, the upside part of me would like to see us roll the dice and a few more rookies across well, what would have been the last four games thereabouts. But uh, given that we're making a, a very legitimate push for the finals now, I can understand why they're erring on the side of experience here. Um and and shockingly, somehow teams have not exploited Brad Tackering on the wing. I don't know how and I don't know why, but we're three games in now and he's, you know, barring a, a bizarre drop against the uh, Newcastle Knights off a long rubber kick, which he then made up by doing a Billy Slater take later in the game, sliding into a miscued kick from a prop that was, you know, in no man's land. Uh, he's, he's been pretty good in the wing. So I'll, I'll give him a pass in that regard as far as picking Tacker on the wing, but Moving forwards, I would like us to start. I mean, they certainly have with Dylan Brown and and Mancusevo coming across as, as a long shot rookie as well. Um, and we've seen Reed Money lock down a, a place in the num in the numbers number nine. Sorry, uh, they're, they're starting to roll the dice on the young guys, and I expect them to do more so throughout what will be a pretty big preseason next year, regardless of how we finish in the finals. Uh, with Parramatta forming their independent uh, Canterbury Cup team, there'll be a lot of players in the spotlight of the uh, the wider coaching staff. Anyway, that rounds out the news or the NRL news for the Eels this week. Let's move on to previews in the Sydney Shield. It's an in-house derby. The Owls in fifth place will be playing the Wenty Magpies in seventh place, 1pm McCready Park on the 25th, which is a Saturday or a Sunday? It's the Sunday. So 25th, 1pm Sunday McCready Park. That'll be followed at 3pm by the RM Cup where it's an in-house double with the Owls in fifth place, uh, taking on the Wenty Magpies, who are at the top of the ladder in first. So I'm um, going to be some in-house carnage there. Can Bo take on the mighty Guildford Owls? We'll see. I'm sure Hamish will give us all the breakdown in the Round 23 or Round 24 podcast. I always lose track of that. Moving on, the Jersey flag. Uh, and this is a somewhat of a surprise ladder result here. The Eels in 11th will be taking on the Bulldogs, who are fourth place this year. So they're soaring up the ladder. 5.40 p.m., that's on the... 22nd, so is that the Thursday? It is indeed the Thursday. Is that actual pre? Uh, is that a curtain raiser to the game? It is. Was that always scheduled as a curtain raiser to the game? Yeah. There you go. So a Thursday curtain, <laughs> a Thursday curtain raiser. We, it's like the second time this year we've gotten a curtain raiser for the flag to the NRL, and this one's on a Thursday. So go figure. I got no idea how or why that was scheduled. Not complaining. That's cool to see the guys get another chance to to be the opener for the main event. Uh, good on them. So let's go through the uh, Jersey flag team list quickly. If I, I had it up, did I close it? Probably, knowing me. 
Um, I think I did. Give me two sexier boys. Fullback is Michael Chee. There you go. Good man. <laughs> On the wings are Solomoni Naiduki and uh, I can't say his name. His name's JT to me. <laughs> Where's Hamish when you need him? He kills it. Nabatelavu. Nabatelavu. That's right. Nabatelavu. JT Nabatelavu. We don't know what the JT is at this point, but yeah, Nabatelavu. No, I still don't know, but it's what I call him. Um, centers uh, Taufa Afu and Joe Small. Uh, if I'm going off my memory here. In the halves at 5'8 is uh, Jaden Correct, Jaden Yates partnering. Uh, back is Bailey Biondiotto. That's right. In the front row, Sam Hughes and Dave Hollis are bookending Vea Tapatautai, Valence Harris. Uh, our man, Shabel Tassapawa, who scored the double last week and got the shout-out by Ham, will be playing on the edges, respectively, while PJ Vigalo moves into the starting team following the absence of Jesse Cronin, who um, won't be playing for the rest of the season, if I'm not mistaken. Um, on the bench, is this our first look at Ethan LeBlanc, Cam? He's been in the extended team for a while. No, 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 no. He played um, – oh, yeah, he made his debut against Blacktown. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So, they, they, uh, failed so uh, even, during Tribune. Ethan yeah. <laughs> LeBlanc um, joining the, the cast of Friends at Parramatta uh, debuted last week in the victory over the Manly Warringah Blacktown Sea Workers, whatever they're called. Uh, on the bench with him is Harry Duggan, uh, Etu Vinny Louie, so Etuwali Louie there, our big boy <laughs> – uh, Jack Jordan rounds out the standardized four-man bench on the extended roster. You see Tui Afawalo coming back from injury on the extended bench. Joey Tapari joins him there. Joey Tapari, sorry, joins him there as the Eels sort of look to wrap him cotton wool. Maybe um, surprisingly, Sione Fanua is there too, so I'm not sure if he's banged up uh, from his time up at Wenty. And James Porter rounds out the extended bench. Now the Bulldogs they accounted for us pretty comfortably earlier in the season, if I'm not mistaken. Ham, is that right? Uh, yeah, they probably did. Because <laughs> I think probably we, I think we played them because the the flag doesn't line up with the NRL very much um, on a roster a roster on a schedule basis. So maybe we did play, maybe we didn't. I thought we did play. I could be wrong, but it's going to be a tough game. Um, they're fourth placed, and this will be the the real test for the boys. They've had a couple of good wins against uh, uh, the Knights, who were above them on the ladder, if I'm not mistaken, and then they took care of business against the. Uh, the the dogs yeah. uh, the dogs last week the, yeah, the dogs beat us week. round two thirty six there you go good man birdie Jesus what Christ. a legend so birdie birdie earning his big um, big paycheck this week so the dogs do have the wood on us this year um, and that'll be good to see if they can uh, ride that little bit of momentum they've built in the last couple of weeks to a competitive game against this mob um, any thoughts Sam before we move on um my thoughts are that everyone should if you if possible get out to the Get out to the twenties. Uh, usually, they get about a hundred people there. Well, I think at, 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 against Newcastle, they got about five hundred. Yeah, I it was a pretty pretty good turnout because we were there watching the game, and and there were nice pockets of people sort of all around the stadium. So hopefully, they can get but yeah get get out to the game. It starts at um twenty to six. Get yourself a nice hot dog. Get yourself a <laughs> uh, yeah the the sauerkraut uh, dog's pretty beef, good. Pulled pork roll or pulled beef roll. Um, get yourself a nice one of those at halftime and. Um, enjoy some people always talk about the how they hate the wrestle. Watch a game of twenties. <laughs> no wrestle there, no so. wrestle. It's really open. It's really fun. Um, get out and support the boys. Now, um, probably the most interesting lineup for Wenty in a little bit. Uh, there'll be oh hello, there we go. Sorry, my microphone cutting out a little bit there. Uh, yeah, the most interesting lineup for me personally for Wenty in a little bit because we're seeing some uh, additions and moves that'll be better reflective of the twenty twenty season for us. Uh, starting at fullback, you've got Josh Hoffman, who takes over from Will Smith there. 
Greg Lucywell and Greg Lucywell are on the wings, apparently, according to the Power Eels. Um, <laughs> yeah. is, Hay- is Hayes playing on one? That, who, who is on the other wing? No, nah, no, nah, George Jennings. George yeah. Jennings. So, yeah, George um, doing his Greg Lucywell impression this week will be on one wing, and Greg Lucywell doing his Greg Lucywell impression will be on the other. In the centres, Ethan Parry, as he has been for most of the season, and he'll be joined there by, uh, in a move that's been long overdue, in my opinion, Jamin Salmon. Uh, he trained there in the preseason. Um, and if he's not going to get a look in, in the NRL's utility, I'd rather he'd shore up his uh, his chances at centre there in that regard. Uh, into the halves, Will Smith moves from fullback to number six. He's joined there by Reese Davies. Tim Manor and Stefano Otoikamano are the two starting props. They're joined in the front row where they don't pack there in scrums anymore with Matt McCurick. Uh, Celesi Feinga and Andrew Davey will be on the edges while Oregon Kafusi will be locking the team. On the bench, Hayes Dunster. Interesting pick there, though teams are increasingly looking towards carrying an outside back on the bench, I guess. Uh, in a big encouraging sign, Ray Stone is back from a nasty knee injury that Milford did to him way back, round 14, I think it was, um, against the Broncos. And Mitch Budfield and Haimona Hiroti round out the bench. And they are taking on the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs. And uh, the Bulldogs are sitting third. There you go. So... Dogs having a great year in Reggie's and, and 20s. Um, although they obviously were very good in Reggie's last year. They won it, didn't they? Yep. Yeah, so they're backing up a, a big season pretty well. Um, big test for the boys. Got a good win last week. Pretty ordering against Newcastle the week before that. Uh, what do we think? If they want to play finals and if they're prepared to play finals, they need to win. Because mm-hmm. if they win this week... Um, Jets play the Magpies, so if the Magpies win, uh, when you jump over the Jets there, which would put them officially into seventh, not what I thought would be seventh. Um, but yeah, they've got Dogs what second, aren't they? Dogs are third, third. on and four and against. And then they play the Rabbits, who are first next week. So they've got two very tough opponents. Um, yeah, I can't get out to this one because I've got my aunties. So the one time Jamin Salmon, and I've been calling for it for a while, Jamin Salmon to center. The, centers, the one game he does play center, I can't watch it. So uh, I'll need to listen to the podcast next week to find out how he goes. <laughs> um, yeah, so big, big test for the boys. Um, let's see what they can do, I guess. Now, main event time. Uh, this is a big one, which we wouldn't have thought of a few weeks ago when the dogs were battling the Titans out for the spoon. But after a, a pretty strong month of footy, much like the Eels, the Dogs are now well clear of the spoon. And mathematically, mathematically, there was a post on Reddit. I, I don't know who to give credit to because I can't find it. But um, they, they still have a path to the finals. I think it involves 13 different uh, non-Bulldogs games going their way, along with the Dogs winning out. But it starts with Parramatta. So let's hope that we can we can skadoosh that little um, mathematical probability. But yeah, um, Parramatta playing the Bulldogs as the opener for the week of footy. That'll be out at Bank West on Thursday night, 7.50 p.m. Nice and cool out there, I imagine. So pack some um, some jumpers and, and trackies if you're going on, unless you're like me and go out in shorts and whatnot because you're an idiot. Uh, <laughs> um, where are we going? Let's get that up there. So the dogs from 1 to 17 and even the 22 I'll give you guys. Starting at fullback is Dallin with teams. 22? Isn't it 21? No, they got to, they're, they're the 22 this week. They're, um, uh, they, they skipped 18 for some reason. So um, at fullback is Dallin Wattin's Lesniak. On the wings is Nick Meaney and Ramus Smith, one-time Eel Ramus Smith, of course. In the centres is Karen Holland and Will Hopawade. 
while Kieran Foran will have his second consecutive game in a row. That's a milestone for him. While Lachlan Lewis joins him in the halves. Front row for the Dogs is Aidan Tolman and Dylan Napa, alongside Jeremy Marshall King at hooker. While Josh Jackson, Corey Harawira Naira, and Adam Elliott round out the back row. On the bench, they've got uh, halfback Jack Cogger, who I don't know if he's got much utility value. So does he play dummy half, I guess? I haven't really been paying attention to the Dogs recently. But um, Jack Cogger, uh, Ranof Tumaga, Raymond Fatella Mariner, and Chris Smith are on the 14-17, uh, while their extended reserves are Danny Fulalo, Morgan Harper, Michael Leisha, and Ofahiki Ogden. Um, the Eels, on the other hand, a relatively unchanged lineup, with um, the inclu- say for the inclusion of Junior Polo back from that ankle injury, which means that the back line looks like this. Clinton Gufferson at fullback, Mike Acevo and Brad Takarangi on the wings, Michael Jennings and Wanga Blake in the centres, Dylan Brown and some bloke called Mitchell Moses in the halves, Kane Evans and Junior Polo get that strong front row combination going together again for the first time in three weeks, with um, Kane missing the Knights game due to food poisoning that uh, Miss Cooked Chook, it turns out. Um, while Junior rolled his ankle last week, Reed Marnie's at hooker, uh, with Sean Lane, Manu Ma'u, and Nathan Brown in the back row. The bench uh, has a minor reshuffling with David, uh, David Gower, Daniel Alvaro dropping back to the bench to make way for Junior. Uh, which means in turn that Tepe Morawa is now 18th man. So the bench reads as Penny Terepo, David Gower, Daniel Alvaro, and uh, interchange superstar Marata Niakore. Extended reserves include Tepe Morawa, George Jennings, Stefano Otoikamano, and Jamin Salmon. And that marks, what, the third or fourth time now that Stefano's been on the cusp of NRL? So it's good to see uh, him. Third, yeah. Third, there you go. It's good to see him starting the feature um, in that regard. I think he'll have to wait for injury to probably get him into the NRL team, but knowing that he's thereabouts after a, a very strong all-round season at Wente, uh bodes well for next year. Um, I haven't got the uh, recent records on hand for the two teams, but maybe NRL.com will tell me. No, it doesn't. Okay, uh, but uh, Parramatta did win in the opening encounter of a season, well, opening round two, was it, boys, that we played them? Yeah. So, uh, and we end up having a pretty comfortable victory there. Um, so... Interesting parallels now with the last month of footy going pretty well for both teams. The Dogs obviously mostly playing for pride, technically have a mathematical chance at making the finals as, you know, might as well buy a lottery ticket though. But uh, this this was a game much like last week. Most people would have written off as a parish should win this and, you know, get things done and move on. All of a sudden though, the Dogs are playing real tough, scrappy footy. Um, are you concerned? <sighs> Not particularly. <laughs> the dogs are going to score two try, two to possibly three tries, and then they're just going to defend like crazy. Um, I think we've got the attack to overcome that, but we can't go in complac- as complacent as I am, and I don't think the players will. Um, this is a team, you know, bottom four. They are a bottom four team. Um, you go in there and, and you win, and you don't try and do it cute. It, it is going to be tough. Um, actually, it's sort of a good game to lead into finals because. The dogs don't have any fear. They're not. They can be the disruptors, and you know they have been the past four, three or four weeks. Um, so yeah, it's a good game it's just to lead into things like the Brisbane Broncos next week. That's right. Before mainly um, at, at Bankwest. So yeah, sort of. It is. It's a sort of three finals games as such, but I like leading into finals. Um, the dogs have played three teams who are pretty poor. Who have they played? South Sydney of uh, completely off the boil ter- as, as a finals contender. Yeah, terrible second half season. West, West Tigers had some brutal injuries, and Penrith Panthers too. The yeah, Penrith anyway. Panthers, lol. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, it, it, they'll be a tough team to beat, but I think we've got the attack to beat them out. Bertie, how do you feel about this one? Any nerves or why can't you think um, that we're going to take care of the business? We should take care, but it's just that Remy Smith and Kev Speed and like that's something that scares me. And also they're offline because uh How we were in our era. They're like this is a game I'm confident we'll win, but if we just can't stop the offloads, if you look back during the um, earlier stage when we won that streak the games through the middle and the second phase offloads like they're playing us, so we can shut that thing. it should be okay. So I don't support or scoring as Sam said three tries. You know, I think Civic can score that on his own, so yeah, yeah. I, I'm confident this week. More confident than last week in terms of like we should do well because it's at home. But that's fair enough. Um, is there any particular matchup you think we can exploit? Um, obviously, you know, as Fox Sports said, we've got one of the most, if not the most, dominant attacking right edge in the game. While Makasivo is a pretty handy try scorer on the left. Um, or do we look for someone like uh, one-time Bulldog Sean Lane to have a big game against his old club? You got target four. That's not bad. Pick out Kieran Foran. Um, Ham, do you see agree? how well he can? No, I'd say still stick to our right. The um, who's on the well? Oh, actually, yeah, Kieran Foran is on the left-hand side defending, so he will be on the right. I agree, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Um, yeah, who's that edge? For? How are we in? How are we Is a right edge back row? I want to say, which would make Josh Jackson the left. I remember how we were in Ira playing right against us, but he was on the bench yeah, at that time. Josh, so Josh Jackson's on the jo- Josh Jackson's on the right. There you go. Field. So yeah, Naira, he's on the left. He's got a double on the there left. There you go. Naira must play on the left since he's been starting. Yeah. Yeah, like how we're in Ira. Um, we were talking about it yesterday, actually. Um, you know, can put on some big hits, but sort of struggles a bit to read it. Um, he's exploitable in, in defense. defense. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, I reckon if Manu, you know, he can get a the good pass away. Nathan Brown. Um, throws that lovely two-man cutout there, we can definitely get that right edge and, you know, keep keep working the right edge because that's obviously what's working and, um, you know, just you dare teams to try and shut down Mitchell Moses at the moment. <laughs> fair point, fair point. I'm um, just trying to think. I mean, it's kind of – I don't want to sound like particularly nasty to the dogs, but they're a hard team to talk about because there's, even though they've been playing good footy, they're not an interesting team to sort of break down. Um, no, that's the thing. They'll score two tries. They'll score one or two tries, and then they'll just fucking defend it. And it's gritty. It's not. It it, it isn't conducive to talk about for what are we going now? An hour ten. Uh, it's not. Condu- <laughs> it's not conducive to talk about that. But it's been effective the past uh, three weeks. It was effective when they did the exact same thing last year. They just can't do it. Yeah, the, the, the dogs are funny. Thing. Once the once the pressure valve is completely turned off on their finals chances, they sort of um end up playing some good tough footy. But prior to that, they sort of have the consistency of melt to butter, haven't they? So this will be yeah. this will be a good test mentally for our boys. They managed to dodge one trap game last week against the Titans, a team that usually plays us pretty tough and and makes us um even if they're not particularly good, makes us play you know pretty mediocre footy. So um the dogs, however, are a team that we've matched up pretty good against in recent years. So. Hopefully we can get the win there and, and results pending. We'll be looking at inching that much closer to a top four berth. Um, so let's move on the predictions on that. No unless anyone else has got any commentary for that game. Bertie, Ham? No, I'm good. All good? Alberto? Oh, sorry. 
Prediction? Uh, no, 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 predictions oh. yet. So you got any, anything else on the game? Oh, no. no, <laughs> no? Just, okay, well, no. let's, on that segue, let's lead off with you and the predictions. What do you got for first try scorer? What do you got for full-time score? Uh, first try scorer, I'm going to go with Dylan Brown. And uh, full-time scores 44-6. 44-6, uh, good win, I assume. But it'll be a tight, close, tight, sorry, tight contest in the first half and just run away. So following following a similar script to our first game against them. Yeah, yeah, well, probably like a twelve halftime score. Mm-hmm. Am class. Um, I think it's going to be a bit cold, bit bit probably a bit windy, bit wet. I'm not as confident in putting as many points on as Birdie is. Um, I actually think the dogs will get out to a, an early lead like they did in round two. They'll get a uh, eight nil up, and then we'll come back to win. 26 to 8. Uh, first try score, Mitch Moses. Mitchell Moses' first try score. There you go. Uh, now, our intrepid captain who's not available has tipped the Parramatta Rails to win. Our glorious leader. Intrepid captain, him. glorious leader. I try and find different synonyms and, and superlatives nah, for. Doesn't need a synonym. For, doesn't um, need a homonym. Doesn't need <laughs> for, a... for our, our absent leader. Um, he has gone uh, for a Parramatta victory uh, 30 to 12 over the Bulldogs. And he's um he's going with the the bookies here with Maker Sivo as the first try scorer, taking those uh, five dollar odds or whatever you can get for Maker these days. Um, me on the other hand, I think the history has proven this year that sticking to Parramatta's margins of victory at Bankwest is usually pretty safe. We're always within like one try, either way of like that sort of twenty eight thirty points that we score. So um, I'm going to pick us to go back to back thirty six point weeks uh, with the dogs scoring. <laughs> Well, Ham says they only scored two tries, so I've got to trust him 10 points, 36-10. No, um, no, no. They've scored one try and a penalty goal. One, okay, so 36-8, they get the conversion? You said they scored one try and a penalty goal. Yeah, that was for my prediction. No, but you said that the Dogs only ever scored two tries and defend before that. So I was going with... Yeah, but it doesn't mean they're actually going to score two tries. Well, I'm going to go with what you said, since you'd never lied to me, 36-10, <laughs> even though you changed your, your prediction right after that. 36-10, first try, first try scorer, first try scorer. Podcast gone too long. Podcast uh, gone on too long. I'm not. I'm going to go. Not I'm, compl- I'm not. I'm not. We. I'm not. I'm not arguing. I'm going to give the Tongan Terminator the the nod here. Manu Manu to go over first points. Um, and uh, on that note, that means we can move on the shout outs now. Hamish left me a little cliff note here, saying, "Fuck the Poms for boo- for booing an injured Steve Smith." Well, he didn't say Steve. He said Smith. So I assume he doesn't care two figs for Cameron Smith. And, um, and any any of the Canberra the Canberra Raider English contingent there, so obviously he's referring to the ashes of Steve Smith copping a, a real nasty bounce to the neck that saw him get ruled out for the game or potential ruled out for the next game, but also uh, the first player ever to enter the concussion protocol for Test cricket. I think it was he made ground there. So um, and they ended up booing him when he came back out to play uh, following his retiring uh, retiring hurt. Uh, but boys. What have we got for shout-outs this week, Bertie? You've been doing anything crazy? NFL preseason catcher? Zeke still holding out? Uh, Zeke's still holding out. Uh, uh, his replacement's got a nice touchdown. Uh, got the dub. And I can't remember. Uh, so, yeah. APL first week was um was uh, over. Good result for your boys or no? For the what, sorry? APL. Oh, second week you're going. Oh, was, oh shit. So first man. <laughs> <laughs> Big game. Once again, VAR on Tottenham Hotspur side. Suck it in the city. No, not, not a fan of the uh, the virtual assistant? 
Oh, no, they saved us because oh. uh, in the Champions League last year, they allowed one of their goals. They put us through, and then on the weekend, they scored the 96 minute, but only VAR to allowed it. And uh, sorry, I missed miss you there. There you go. So, Bertie, a big proponent of the, the virtual assistant in football. Ham. God bless VAR. <laughs> <Ham. laughs> um, you can probably um, carry on that EPL segment for us. Uh, yeah, West Ham had a draw on the weekend against um, shit. Who do we play? Brighton. Not a good, not a good start to the year. We didn't start well last year. Not start. I didn't think we won. Got a point in the first six games. But let's not worry about how's how's my Green Bay Packers going. Oh, that's right. You're an adoptive Green Bay Packer fan now. Yeah, um, I'm, a, I'm a I'm a cheesehead. He's a big cheesehead. Actually, I don't even know how they went in the weekend. Oh, jeez. Um, I don't give a shit about the Green Bay Packers. They're, they're like one of the most hated teams in the NFL. You, you literally have joined the Manly Warringah Seagulls of the NFL. No I want you to know way. that. You have. No Birdie, are they the no. Warri- like Manly with Seagulls of the NFL? Like, come on. I don't, I don't know. I have no problem with them. I have a problem with Aaron Rodgers. They're a community team. Like, literally, uh, I think it's... Exactly. Uh, they're the Parramatta the, Eels of the NFL. Thank you. No, nah, the Parramatta Eels are the Dallas Cowboys, man. Hi, we are not the Dallas... I mean, there was success in the early 90s and late for them and late 80s for us, but we are not the Dallas Cowboys. We're, yeah, uh, but, like, but, but still, we've got, like, a booming... We're like we're like if the Buffalo Bills won all those uh, grand finals in the nineties, that's that's us until recently. Member owned, member owned Green Bay Packers. Yeah, they're the, the Parramatta Eels. Anyway, uh, any um, any bands catch your eyes or ears as it were this oh, week? Um, going to watch the Cosmic Psychos at the Lansdowne in a couple of weeks. Uh, what what genre are the Cosmic Psychos partaking in? <laughs> what genre are the Cosmic mates? Mate, just listen to the Cosmic Psychos. You probably won't enjoy it. Most people probably won't enjoy it. Are they it. on YouTube or Spotify for any? They will. They mate, they're not. They're an old band. Oh, they yeah. didn't didn't oh, even have the Psychos around. They've been around for ages. Uh, they're playing at the Lansdowne. Um, they're freaks. They're awesome. <laughs> they're freaks. Okay, so on that bombshell, we'll hand it over to myself, I guess. Um, I haven't got much to shout out this week. Uh, Seattle ended up losing their second preseason game of the the preseason second preseason game of the preseason. Eh? Good good uh, speech there. Uh, to uh, God, who do we even play now? I can't remember. Uh, what about that hit by the Aussie punter for the Niners today? Today? Yeah, the San Francisco uh, punter Wisnowski. Cool. I don't know. Yeah, Wisnowski. Uh, yeah, that was a pretty good pretty good tackle. But yeah, uh, my boys end up losing narrowly to uh, someone. I kind of <laughs> goddamn. But uh, yeah, bit a bit of an injury bug this week, unfortunately. So that's never good. And aside from that, uh, Australia drew in the cricket, so they still got the advantage. Uh, but Steve Smith's in doubt for game three, which sucks since he is our entire batting lineup. Uh, as scary as that is, and yeah, and beyond that, um, can't really think of anything to shout out. Uh, Shout out to the listeners this week. If you've gotten this far, oh, a shout congratulations. out! Shout out to my Seriously. boy. Shout out to my boy Jack. After I gave him the um the backhanded <laughs> shout out the other week, so I do love you, mate. Um, I know you listen every week, and uh, but if you're if you're this far in, it's a, an hour twenty. I'm struggling. It's an hour nineteen. Thank you very much. And if we wrap up in like the next ten seconds, we're going to be good. So on that bombshell, um, we actually I'm going to play the game lined up at the moment. So yeah, on that bombshell, um. Bon nuit. Bon what? Bon hey, guys. Go on. See you, boys. Au revoir.
Ellis under the crossbar. Flashes through the line to open up. More opportunity on the right-hand side. Moses to Mahu. Setting him up on the inside.